Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today, we're answering your listener questions. That's right, Joel, my scooter riding co-host. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell everyone. Don't out me. We've, uh, we've, we're going to answer some questions today, including uh, one about variable versus a fixed rate mortgage. We got a question regarding freezing your credits, uh, and we're going to kick things off to this episode talking about uh, emergency funds. I guess I do have to let everyone know that I did ride a scooter <laughs> for the first time, like the bird scooters, but Lyft has their own. And it was really, honestly, not for a joy ride. It was the easiest means <laughs> of transportation. It's for utility. Yeah, for me to get from one place to the other. And 
I gotta admit, I didn't mind the the it's pretty f- nice, the huh? feel of the wind in my hair. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was actually kind of nice. But I don't, you won't catch me on them often. <laughs> I promise that. <laughs> Wasn't it like last episode or last week that we were knocking it? You're making fun of guys riding around on those things uh, with their suits on, riding in Midtown. I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'll admit it. In that moment, you're like, dang it! Now I'm gonna have to ride one. Exactly. Yep. I succumbed. The universe made it happen. That it did. Well, Joe, real quick, I wanted to share a quick story with you regarding Talstar Pro, which is the bug spray that, that you use. We both use it. Yeah, my favorite pest control on the planet. <laughs> it works wonders. Yeah. And saves bundles of money. Save tons of money. So Kate and I were sitting here at this very table uh, a few weeks ago, and we noticed like a little beetle, you know, bugs get inside the house. You don't think much of it. A couple days later, I, we noticed another one, the exact same kind, because I had killed the other one. So I knew it was a different one. And I thought, that's weird. Like, where are these guys coming from? We found out and discovered that there were wood boring beetles in our armoire right here that we keep our liquor in. So they're like termites that fly. Well, no, I guess termites fly as well, but they're beetles. Were they gunning for the scotch? Is that what they were going after? <laughs> if they were smart, <laughs> they knew it's best for them. Well, it turns out we, I researched, I did some searching online and yeah, these beetles are a problem. And I noticed that there's holes in the, the thing. I thought they were kind of there from way back when we purchased this thing. We bought it used from somebody. But yeah, if you, if you look at the back of this thing, it looks like the back of the, uh, I don't know what you call it. Arm, I call it an armoire, but it's like this you know glass kind of cabinet thing. Display cabinet. Yeah, kind of fancy looking. It's an antique. It's old. But it, the back of it looks like it got shot up with like a little miniature shotgun. Oh, that's There's crazy. holes everywhere, dude. Evidently, if you let them be, they'll eat other stuff that you don't want them to eat. It's a big problem. And they were in there when we purchased the thing. So they, they're kind of like in this sort of state where they stay inside of the wood for two or three years. And then they pupate. That's the official term for when they kind of turn into adults. You probably understand why. I remember that from science class. (laughs) The big P, the big conversation. (laughs) Well, that's what was happening. And so I did some quick searching and turns out you could use Talstar to kill them. And so let me tell you what we did, which was removed all the bottles, laid the piece of furniture on its side. I got the Talstar Pro, made the mixture. And instead of spraying it, I, I got a paintbrush and then just went over the entire thing real lightly so it would absorb into the wood. And stood that thing back up, went to work, and I checked on it a couple hours later. Dude, those beetles were dropping like flies. Like they were, they're crawling out of the wood, like out of the cabinet. And yeah, literally just falling to the floor, just kind of like moving a little bit. But completely like, knocked them out. And I have never been so happy about doing my own pest control. So <laughs> Yeah, right. So they were doing like the death twitch. and Yes, exactly. That's awesome. I mean, it is amazing that how much you can actually get done with that pest control. You can... It, it keeps termites away. It, it's just great for your, you know, every three month pest control spraying around the house. Yeah, you're big on it for ant control, right? Ant control for... I mean, really all it's sorts of bugs. Terrible in the summer. It's, it's great for cockroaches. I feel like I'm a salesperson for... <laughs> pest control right now (laughs) but seriously i've been doing this pest control for years and years and years and it saved me tons of money yeah uh, just because it is kind of expensive to have someone come out every three months to spray your house and if you can save you know 250 300 bucks a year just by doing your own pest control well well, why not and the fact that it works that stuff lasts forever too yeah and the fact that it works on some beetles born into your wood too well here's the thing this is why we realized that we had to do that was because some of the suggestions were oh well if you have some furniture you can take it into a walk-in freezer it's like oh yeah cool i've got one of those that i can leave (laughs) a piece of furniture in for a week you know to where it's cold enough that it kills them but yeah man so glad that you turned me on to that years ago you know when you first shared that with me but but yeah i just wanted to share that little sort of victory story and if folks want to read that article that you wrote they can just go to the website and search DIY pest control or ants, anything like that, or just click the 
click the articles link actually and that'll just pop right up yeah well that's awesome man okay and another thing that's awesome is the beer we're drinking on the show today the beer we're having is killer grove blood orange wheat ale by talisman brewing company yeah, this is a beer that was donated to the show by Andy in Utah. He uh, yeah, hooked us up with some of his local Utah beers. And like a lot of Utah beers, this one is pretty low in ABV, 4%. Yeah, they have some stringent caps yeah. on <laughs> alcohol percentage, right? Uh, but I'm looking forward to drinking this and then talking more about it at the end of the show. And with it heating up, this is the kind of beer that I'm, I look forward to these days, man. I'm thirsty. Heating up? We're in like midsummer form already it's here in the 90s. Yeah. It's awful. Cool. Well, let's get to the subject at hand, Matt. Today, we're answering listener questions on the show. And for anyone out there who wants to pose their question to Matt and I, you can go to our website, howtomoney.com slash ask. And there's easy directions there that let you know exactly how to leave your recorded question for us to hopefully play on an upcoming show. And Matt, these are my favorite shows to do. I'm really uh, excited to tackle a slew of listener questions with you today. Yeah, me too, man. Although I thought you said that the interviews were your favorite new show that we do now. <sighs> You're right. I like them all. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. And I like scooters. Like, who, who am I? <laughs> who am I? God? <laughs> I'm l- learning so much about myself right now. By the way, I wasn't saying that you are at all God little Zoolander reference there for you. Everybody should know that. Let's they be should. They yeah. should. All right. So, all right, let's get to the first question. Hey, guys. Aaron here with a question that's more tailored to younger fans of the show. I'm in my early 20s and recently started working a full-time job out of undergrad. I'm lucky enough to be financially stable and working on my long-term investment plan, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what an appropriate emergency fund is. My initial plan was to keep about $10,000 in a high-interest savings account that would serve as my emergency fund. Now that I'm learning more about gaining passive income and building wealth through investments and index funds, I want to make sure that I'm keeping a safe reserve in the event that I need money quickly. The balancing act of building a financial safety net while still making my money work for me is one that I'm struggling to figure out. Any thoughts on the subject would help. Thanks for opening my eyes to the power of simple decisions that make significant impacts. Aaron, that is a great question. And uh, first, we just want to say congrats, man, on your job and, and that you're you're rocking it in the workforce now. That's awesome. And just, man, big props to you for considering how much you should be having in an emergency fund. And I want to say too, so glad that he said a high interest savings account, Matt, because there are a lot of people out there who who don't prioritize that. And they've got their money, like we've mentioned before, sitting with one of the big banks paying almost nothing. And so at least in his emergency fund, Aaron is prioritizing making some money on his money, which is huge. Yeah, Joe, what did he say? He said like uh, simple decisions and massive impacts or something like that. That should be like the new uh, slogan to our show. What do you think? I'm in. I like let's, it. Let's switch it up. So Aaron, to, let's go ahead and answer your question though. You know, you're trying to figure out if it makes sense to have more or less money in your emergency fund where it's not quite working for you as much as if it was invested, right? And it just depends on your situation, what you are comfortable with personally. There's a lot of advice out there that says to have six months or even you know a year, even 12 months of expenses set aside. And oftentimes that's just overblown. Almost all the time. Yeah, <laughs> for well, most people, that's unrealistic, of, right? Yeah, for a lot of folks. So here's some things we want you to consider as you're you know, trying to figure out how much money to keep in your emergency fund. Uh, first of all, consider your job. No job is guaranteed, but some positions are maybe historically more stable. Like think of a Fortune 500 company versus you know your own business if you're an entrepreneur or something like that. Being self-employed myself, there are some months where I don't get paid. <laughs> and having an emergency fund, uh, a larger one, to kind of buffer between the, the high months and the low months is necessary. 
it's just part of survival. It's just part of my daily life. It's not an emergency, but it's sort of this fund that we kind of have that's a, a slush fund. So yeah, the first thing is to consider the stability of your job. Yeah, I think it's also important to think about what emergencies are likely or even have the potential of happening in your life. And so if you own a home, for instance, the likelihood of having a bigger emergency that occurs that needs your money well, you'll probably need a bigger emergency fund because you might have an HVAC unit go out. You might need a new roof. And if either one of those parts of your house is older, well, then you're going to want to make sure you have more of an emergency fund because those are really expensive things to replace. And when it comes to other major potential emergencies in your life, well, chances are you have insurance for a lot of those things. The biggest thing you're going to want to consider when it comes to, to that is what deductibles you have. And, and Matt and I, we would recommend having higher deductibles and then saving that money every month on your insurance costs. And then actually you know, having that higher emergency fund to be able to self-insure if something does go wrong, let's say hail damage to a roof or you do get into a car accident. Uh, well, having insurance, that really helps. And, and ensures that you don't have to have some sort of you know, massive emergency fund. But those are just some of the things that you're going to want to take into consideration when you're deciding you know, how much of an emergency fund you need to have set aside. Something else, uh, Aaron, that you can consider is you might actually want to shrink your emergency fund down. Consider lessening that by maybe 1000 or 2000 a year if you're able to max out a Roth IRA. We did an episode recently on Roth IRAs, episode 83, where we talked about how your Roth IRA can function as a glorified emergency fund. In particular, as you accumulate money in it over time, you know you contribute to that every year, hit that max. This year, it's $6,000. That's a lot of money that's sitting there growing in the market that you could potentially divert uh, towards an emergency if you need it. Yeah, I love that idea of every year that you're able to max out a Roth or let's say let's say every $5,000 you're able to put into a Roth. You can count on $1,000 of that as an emergency fund. I feel like that puts you in a flexible enough spot where you can begin to allocate a little bit more of your funds towards investing, but still at the same time have an emergency fund that you don't mind tapping if need be. And that just essentially allows you to have less of your money in a bank account that's earning somewhere in the neighborhood of 2% and put a little bit more of your money into, into investments for the long term while still maintaining a little bit of that flexibility. That's right. And Aaron, you know, lastly, you want to make sure that you are tracking your expenses. Because the fact is, if you do not know what you're spending every single month, well, how do you know how to set aside two to three months worth of expenses, right? So make sure that you are tracking your expenses. That way you can accurately predict how much money you have set aside and how long that would get you were you to say, you know, have an emergency, were you to get laid off, whatever that emergency might be. And Aaron, you know what, for you, it sounds like, again, being kind of fresh out of school, getting your first job, it, you, know, you may not have a lot of responsibilities. Chances are you don't have six kids yet. Yeah, not right? quite. You know, maybe <laughs> give them six years, right? Yeah. Uh, and so in his case, it might make sense to kind of back that down to two to three months worth of living expenses because, yeah, he may not have that roof. He may not have that HVAC, Joel, like you mentioned. For him, it might just be some car maintenance, rent, the cost to get groceries every month. There aren't a ton of expenses. Man, I think back to those kind of post-college days, the first job, and uh, yeah, living really, really cheap back then. <laughs> it, it didn't take much. 
Yeah, things were a little bit simpler, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but as you do kind of accrue more and more and your life changes and your life stage changes and your obligations change, that's when you need to kind of consider ramping up your emergency fund. But hopefully this gives you kind of a start, something to think through. I think in all likelihood, you can probably start to invest a little bit more and, and 10 grand you know, might be a touch too much, depending on your specific situation to have on hand in an emergency fund. All right. So after the break, we're going to answer a question regarding uh, credit freeze as well as convertible term life insurance. Stick around. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner listen up upswell marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business they're actually choosing you so focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best-fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Matt, we're back. I wish this were a question about Mr. Freeze, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, (laughs) bad guy and Batman. But for now, let's just stick to a question on Credit Freeze. Hey, Matt and Jewel. My name's Anna, and I recently went through the process of freezing my credit score. I completed the steps for two of the credit bureaus, but when I went to the third one and answered a series of questions about phone numbers I've had, names of people I've lived with, etc., it seemed like they didn't have the right information. I had to answer other to pretty much every question they asked. The end result was that they couldn't find me in their system. They gave me a next step, which was to send them a copy of my driver's license and birth certificate, plus a sheet containing my full name, address, phone number, proof of address, and social security number through the physical mail to an address in Texas. I haven't done that yet, and my question is, if they can't figure out who I am now, do they even have information about me that needs freezing? Or has my identity been stolen by someone who lived with a roommate named Sergey, Mikhail, or Pablo? Or is this just another hoop to jump through created by the credit bureaus to deter me from freezing my information? Thanks, and I'm loving the show. Well, first of all, Anna, are you sure you you haven't been living with Sergey or Pablo? Like, maybe you've got this kind of alternate life going on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you just totally forget about those years? They were such good friends to you. It's like Fight Club. <laughs> no, Andy, awesome. I think it's great that you are taking the steps necessary to get your credit file frozen. And we have to admit that dealing with the credit bureaus is a big pain. And I'm sorry you're dealing with this because there's just a laundry list of issues that seem to crop up when we start talking about credit bureaus. Think about the you know Equifax breach uh, of a year and a half ago and the problems that that has caused for people. That could be part of the problem actually that you're experiencing here. Uh, and it turns out that one in four folks actually have incorrect information on their credit report. So it sounds like, Anna, that's probably what's going on with you. And it's kind of frustrating that we as individuals have to deal with this based on these like nameless, faceless companies that we didn't even choose to do business with. And I think we have to say that from the outstart, that this is not the way it should be. And it's a bummer that we have to bear the brunt of mistakes by credit bureaus like this. So yeah, I think that's important to mention at the, at the outset. Yeah, Joel, that's good to mention. Fact is, it could be a sort of simple you know, mistake by a big unorganized company uh, that's doing a poor job. Also, there could be a chance that your identity may have actually been compromised. You, know, you could have actual ID theft. So on that note, now is a good time to go ahead and check your credit report at annualcreditreport.com. That is the only website that you want to go to where you can get your credit report for free. They're not going to ask you to pay for it or anything like that. You can get a free credit report from each of the three once a year. So basically every four months, you can check in on your credit report and get a full report as to what's going on. And so Joel, you want to talk to her about if she does actually find a mistake? Yeah. So if there is a mistake on your one of your credit reports based on what you see at annualcreditreport.com, well, the next step is to dispute any of that incorrect information with the credit bureaus. And Matt, didn't Kate at some point have to do that because there was some incorrect information on hers? Yeah. Well, you know, when Kate and I were applying for mortgages uh, for our first house, there was some incorrect information on there. And as I, Did she live with Sergey and Pablo too? <laughs> In her case, uh, she has the same or a very similar name to her mom. And so that's specifically called a merged report where, you know, some of the information from her parents, essentially, her parents' financial information was showing up 
on her file. And I can't remember if it actually may have helped us because it made it look like maybe Kate was had more going on than she actually did. But regardless, it was not something that we wanted on the file as they were considering uh, giving us a loan. So uh, that was something that we had to reach out to that specific credit agency. And it, it was the exact same thing, Anna. It was only with one of the credit reporting agencies. And I, it's been years, so I can't remember. But we had to reach out to them directly to take care of that ourselves. Like all the work fell to us. There wasn't some sort of easy button. I think honestly, dude, it was even harder back then to kind of correct a mistake like that. They do have some online ways that you can file the disputes. And it's a little bit easier these days, but still not a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I think that's actually one of the most common occurrences is that it's a, typically a family member who your file ends up reflecting based on similar names and stuff like that. And so that could be what happened with Anna. It could be more nefarious than that. It could be someone that has tried to, to steal her identity. And and if that's the case, you, you want to go through this dispute process as well. And you want to make sure that those things are cleared up on your credit report. And then you're going to want to proceed with the credit freeze after that. Yeah. And so let's talk about the purpose of why you actually want to do the freeze is the reason for that is you are trying to prevent the potential for future fraud. So Anna, you know, you asked if you should even go through with it at all. Like the answer is yes, you still want to go ahead and freeze in particular now that it's free uh, and it's pretty easy to do. I, I did want to point out that you're not actually freezing your credit score, but you're freezing the access to your credit file. And that's where thieves can open new accounts in your name, use your potentially great credit to open you know, lines of credit for them. As personal, if they were you. Exactly. Personal loans, uh, different things like that. That's what they're after. They're, they're after your good name to you know, open up financial products as if they were you. All right. And for any listeners that are hearing this question and answer right now, and they're like, what's a credit freeze? Well, we talked about credit freezes extensively in episode 38. And it's something you need to know about because you know, like we just talked about, having a credit freeze in place protects you. And it's free now, thanks to a law that went into effect about a year ago. And so it's just really something that we should all take advantage of because it's free and it can put your mind at ease when it comes to securing your credit. All right, Joel. Next, we are going to hear from a listener. Uh, he's got a question regarding life insurance. Hey, fellas. My name is Mike. I live in Iowa. I was a late finder of your podcast, um, but in the last few weeks, I've blown through several episodes and it has made a big difference in my life. So thank you very much for that. Um, I have two questions for you. Number one, uh, as per one of your earlier podcasts about life insurance, I've been working to increase my term coverage. Um, in working with my agent, he has been talking me up quite a bit about the convertible policies where you can convert uh, a term policy to have some sort of a cash value. Um, and I was wondering if you can give your thoughts into that. It, it really sounds too good to be true and it's making me very suspicious. So I'd appreciate your thoughts. And secondly, I was wondering if you could tell us the easiest way to send you guys some beer as a thank you for all of the life advice you've given us. Thank you. Joel, you know what sounds uh, too good to be true is the fact that our listeners actually do send us beer. So Mike, we really appreciate that offer. You can hit us up at howtomoneypod at gmail.com. And that's the best way to get in touch. Thanks, Mike. Super generous, yeah, man. That's awesome. All right. So let's get on to Mike's question. And we have talked about life insurance and how term life is by far the cheapest. And in almost every case, it's the best life insurance for, for folks to get to. You said you were working with an agent. Well, let's just address that first and foremost. There's a decent chance, Mike, that your agent has a conflict of interest and he or she wants to sell you a policy that gives them more money, more commission. And so that might be why they're trying to sell you a more expensive policy than you might actually need. 
And so maybe instead of working with an individual agent, uh, you should shop the open market. So that's our the first recommendation is to you know go with a website like Policy Genius, Haven Life. There's another one called Quotacy, Q-U-O-T-A-C-Y. Those are just great sites to shop around for. They're easy to use. And and finding term life insurance you know, through a site like that. Also, if you're a Costco member, that's actually where I bought my life insurance. More on that next episode, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, more on, <laughs> more on that later this week. But yeah, so there's so many different places where you can get inexpensive term life insurance. But in all likelihood, you're not going to get the best rate going directly through that singular agent that you're currently working with. Yeah, Joel. You know, And, and something else Mike mentioned, uh, he mentioned a cash value. Well, the fact is, term insurance doesn't have a cash value associated with it. And so, you know, Mike, it sounds like that your agent might be trying to sell you something more expensive, something that you may not need. Maybe this is a return of premium policy or a regular term that he's looking to convert to a whole life. Either way, this is not something that you would probably want to consider. And so, Mike, basically anything that isn't term life forces you to set money aside. It's a forced method of savings. And it's a way to save money and where your money is going to be underinvested, right? It's not going to perform as well. The premiums on those policies are typically going to be at least 30% more expensive. And again, that's just not the route you want to take when it comes to life insurance. Yeah. And if we're talking about a completely different kind of insurance, like whole life, we're talking about premiums that are way more than 30% more. We're talking about a much bigger monthly expense then. So quickly, let's talk about why we get life insurance in the first place. I think that can kind of help clarify things too. Basically, the reason that we get life insurance is for income replacement for the people that we leave behind, for our loved ones. And term life insurance, it's just the simplest, easiest, cheapest way to get that done. And so whether you need a term policy for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it may be, that's just going to be the simplest way to ensure that your loved ones are taken care of with very, very low monthly costs associated with it. The goal is by the end of that term, to, to be self-insured, to have enough saved up for retirement where you don't need life insurance after that fact. Yeah, Joel. So you know, essentially, if you are 30 right now and you snag a 30-year level term policy, you do want to make sure that your investments and your savings could cover you at age 60. Again, you want to be self-insured. That way, if were you to pass away, your loved ones are taken care of. That's all there is to it. That essentially is what level term life insurance does before you get to that point. It doesn't marry that your insurance with your investments, you know, there's not money that you're going to get back necessarily. All those other forms of complicated insurance for the vast majority of folks is not going to be the route that you want to take. And that's why your monthly bill for a term life insurance policy of let's say half a million dollars is probably going to be like 22 bucks or 26 bucks or 30 bucks, depending on your age and your, your potential health risks, stuff like that. But term life insurance is so cheap. And if you're considering any other kind of insurance policy, you're just talking about much bigger figures. And we just don't think there's any need to even wade into those waters. So that was question number three. We've got a couple more coming up. What do we have? Yeah, Matt. So after the break, we're going to talk about saving money on car insurance. And we're also going to take into consideration what's a better idea, variable or fixed rate mortgage. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner listen up upswell marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business they're actually choosing you so focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best-fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, we're back. Let's get to that mortgage question right now. Hi there. My name is Christina, and I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. So hello from the north. 
My husband and I are just in the midst of buying our first house. And that leads me to my question regarding variable versus fixed rate mortgages. Given the amount of interest you pay over the lifespan of a mortgage, we're both looking to navigate this in a way that has us paying the least amount as possible so that we have more money left over to enjoy a nice beer, or in my case, a nice glass of wine on our new back patio. Thanks so much. Christina, congrats on buying your first home. That's always a very exciting thing to do. You know, and I also really appreciate that you're sort of taking a balanced look towards your money. You know, you're considering the things that you want to do now, hanging out on your patio with your husband, but at the same time, you're, you're thinking about the long-term implications that these loans will have on you and your finances. So kudos to you. Joel, do you want to give her the, the slam dunk answer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, a, a fixed rate mortgage, I think at this point in time, makes so much sense to pretty much everybody especially if you plan on being in the house for the next 10 years or more. I think a fixed rate mortgage is just a slam dunk. Rates are at historic lows. And although it seemed like rates were going to go up, it looks like right now we're in kind of this kind of weird limbo rate environment where, where we might actually see rates drop a little bit over the coming months. Well, it's hard to predict where rates are going to go. But the easiest thing to see is that we're at almost historic low levels now. And so to not lock in is just putting yourself really in a position where you're susceptible to rate changes over time. And when you're near historic lows, there's just no reason to do that. So I would be prone to locking in a fixed rate for sure if I were you. And Christina, you asked, uh, you know, how can you pay less overall uh, over the long term? You know, the best way to actually lower the amount of interest that you'll be paying is to choose an actual shorter term. So most popular is the 30-year mortgage, a 15-year mortgage. That truly will allow you to pay less in interest over time. The spread or the difference in interest rates between a 15-year and a 30-year, it was wider. It's condensed a good bit in the past several months. And so what that means is the 30-year isn't a bad option. You can always make a concerted effort to pay it off faster if you want to kind of pay down your mortgage. But there isn't a huge advantage, you know, right now to, to going with that 15 year over a 30 year. It used to be what, Joel, is more of like a 1% kind of gap between that 15 and 30 year. Now it's closer to a half percent. So yeah. you can get a 30 year mortgage for around 4%. And a 15 year, you're looking at 3.5%. So that's not a huge difference. Yeah, just make sure to check with a credit union in your area because sometimes the rates that credit, that credit unions can offer are just so much better than the advertised rates you're going to see at a bank. For instance, I was looking at rates from a credit union in our area just the other day. Just, just I don't know. I'm a nerd. I like to check in on those things. And here were the rates for a 30 and a 15. And the rates were 3.875 for a 30 and 2.875 for a 15. Whoa. Yeah. So the spread was huge and the 15 was just such a better deal. And so if you have access to a rate like that, well, then it might make a whole lot of sense to really strongly consider the 15 if you can afford it. But if you're not quite seeing a spread like that, well, a 30-year at a historic low in the 4% range or, or possibly even lower, that's a great thing to lock in. And also, it gives you the ability to prioritize retirement savings. Matt, we've talked before about good debt versus bad debt. And mortgage debt in the sub 4% range just isn't debt you want to pay off as quickly as possible. You don't actually mind that debt lingering around if you're going to prioritize saving for retirement with the excess money that you would have put towards that debt. And so, Christina, just want to mention that. Enjoy your wine. Enjoy your cheap mortgage. But just don't forget to prioritize saving for retirement at the same time. Yeah, Joel, that's such a great point. Checking with your credit union 
sort of like local produce. You just want to see where the deals are and pounce when you see one. So our last question on this episode has to do with car insurance. Let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Donnie from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I just listened to your episode on insurance and I have a question about it. I have an embarrassing amount of experience using my car insurance and whenever I use my car insurance and because I got in an accident, someone inevitably says to me, this is what insurance is for. Well, I end up paying for it anyways. My rates get increased and I've actually been dropped from my insurance because of uh, the amount that they've had to pay for work for me. My question is, what happens if I decline the work that's needed from an accident that I get in? If I decline that work, in my mind, I should not have my rates increased as much. But I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. I'm interested in what you guys have to say. Cheers. Donnie, man, thanks for your question. I'm so sorry to hear that. Insurance, knowing when to use it, and then the cascading effects of using it can be a painful learning experience. And it sounds like you're kind of going through that right now. And, and Matt, on an earlier episode, you kind of documented too how in college you used your insurance too much and it can have catastrophic effects on, on kind of the premium that you have to pay for that insurance, right? Yeah, that's so true. You know, Donnie, I'm with you, man. This is a lesson that I learned the hard way as well when I was in high school and college where I overused my insurance, not knowing that that was going to turn around and, and bite me in the butt and have my rates skyrocket. But Donnie, let's go ahead and get to your question. And regardless, if you accept the check or the work that needs to be done to your car, or if you try to decline it, an accident report was filed and that will hit your clue report. This is what insurers base your rates on. Again, we mentioned this in a previous episode about you know ways to keep your insurance down. I'm sure you heard that. But once that accident report basically hits your clue report, the damage is done. And that's what insurers are going to be looking at when it comes time to renew your insurance. But for those out there who uh, have not seen the clue report, we'll put that link in our show notes to where you can go on for free once a year and take a look at your clue report. Yeah. And that is instrumental in how rates are set. And so let's talk about the ways to get your rates back down in the future. So the only way really to keep your insurance rates from going up is if your insurer never finds out about an accident that you were involved in. And that's just... And we're not talking about hit and run. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. We don't want that to be the case. But your insurer is pretty much going to find out about almost any accident that you're in where the police are involved. Uh, so if there is a police report filed, even if no insurance claim is made based on that accident, well, that still goes on your clue report and influences the rates that you're going to pay. In the same way that getting a speeding ticket would go on your clue report as well and influence your rates. The only way in which getting in an accident isn't going to make your rates go up is if you're in an accident completely by yourself. Like let's say you hit a deer. Done that <laughs> twice. <laughs> Matt's been there, done that. Uh, and let's say it was $1,000 worth of damage to your car. Well, it stinks to hit a deer. It's no fun. But if you've got $1,000, you can pay that out of pocket. The insurance company can be completely left out of that. And by handling it completely on your own, you avoid having that accident made known to your insurance company, which means your rates won't change because of it. That's right. There's no police report to be filed and there's no work that you have to decline from uh, the insurance. And so let's talk about ways that you can get your rates back down. We talk about this all the time, but make sure that you are shopping around. If you've been with a carrier for more than a couple years, chances are uh, you are overpaying. So make sure you do that. That's going to be the first step. Next, consider raising your deductible, but make sure that you have enough money uh, in your emergency fund, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, 
you want to make sure you have that money set aside to cover that higher deductible. And this will also help prevent you from making a claim unless you are in a more major accident, truly using your insurance for something that you need it for, something a little more catastrophic. Yeah. And some insurers specialize in insuring different kinds of people. And honestly, there are insurers that do a better job at keeping costs down for individuals that have filed more claims. And so make sure you're shopping around now, but also make sure that as you distance yourself from some of these insurance claims, you shop around again, because you could find that you're able to get much lower rates with a different insurer two or three years from now, as some of those claims drop off of your clue report. Yeah, and you'll see those drop off uh, every seven years. So you know they last on your clue report for that long before they start falling off that back end. But some insurers really only look at the past two years or three years of moving violations and traffic accidents. It just depends on the specific company. And so that's why shopping around makes such a big difference. So Donnie, we hope that helps to answer your question. And again, yeah, it sucks to be in car wrecks and uh, hopefully you'll have less of those in the future. I don't know why, but I really want to say, you're out of your element, Donnie. Uh, I love the Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski? So good. Donnie, if we were if we were hanging out right now, I would say that to you. But <laughs> you know what? I'm going to refrain. I'm going to refrain. But on that note, Joel, uh, we can go ahead and take it back to the beer. On this episode, we had Killer Grove by Talisman Brewing Company. And this one was donated to the show by Andy out in Utah. Joel, what were your thoughts? Man, it was light. It was weedy. It was juicy. Had some nice like blood orange zest coming through. I thought it was kind of a perfect summer beer because it has been hot as all get out around these parts, Matt. And anything that's light and refreshing is much appreciated right now. So yeah, big thanks to Andy for sending that one our way. Yeah, Joel, this reminds me of how much I love wheat beers. Like the more I drink them, the more I have, especially when they have different, you know, interesting flavors like this going on. I really like them. Obviously, I love our IPAs, our, you know, our big stouts, but wheats might be kind of pulling in third there and it might be a new favorite style of mine. This one in particular, I was surprised at how much tartness there was going on. I was, I was kind of expecting a more sort of standard wheat beer. But like you said, those sort of zesty notes that that orange brought really brought some brightness to the beer and the sort of tartness that it had uh, made it really fun to drink. So I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, man, that one was really good. All right, so if you want show notes for this episode, some links to some of the things we mentioned, like getting your clue report for free, which will help you see what insurers actually know about you, uh, which influences the kind of rates that you're seeing. Well, you can check that out on our website, howtomoney.com. And as always, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you found it helpful. If you did, we would love for you to leave a review over at Apple Podcasts. Head over there and we would like to hear your kind words. My voice got kind of high there, Joel. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be it for this episode, man. Yeah. By the way, and if people feel like there's something we could do better, they can go to howtomoney.com slash do better and they can drop us a line there, right? That's right. We always love hearing constructive criticism because you know what? We're not perfect. We trying to do better. <laughs> exactly. Always. Yeah. So Matt, until next time. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.